This episode is sponsored by Sneaker Creatures. Sneaker Creatures is your one-stop shop for all of your sneaker needs, and man, do they have a big selection of shoes. If you're looking for Nikes or Jordans, those are super hot right now, and they have them at such incredible prices. If you're looking to gift Nikes or Jordans this year, then really, really check out SneakerCreatures.com. You could use my promo code NickLugo, I repeat, N-I-C-K-L-U-G-O at checkout and get a 10% discount on your purchase. Any shoe in the store, you will get a discount. Check it out, SneakerCreatures.com. I repeat, SneakerCreatures.com. Check out the link in the description below. It will be there. And now, on with the show. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Nick Lugo Show, where I study the tactics, practices, and principles of some of my favorite achievers. Today, you will experience Ari Gunsberg, an internationally renowned motivational speaker who is now the author of a new book, The Little Book of Greatness. He has been through a difficult life, a life full of trauma, addiction, suffering, and many, many more. But now he's here to share his story and share what has made him great. So, so hopefully he could share it with the rest of the world. This conversation was a pretty, pretty amazing conversation. And I really, really recommend it to everyone. Enjoy. Like most of my audience is college students, young professionals, all of these things. And the thing about them is they're, they're trying to figure out this balance. The first one is, and we'll, we'll start with the wilderness stuff, is having a calm mind, right? One of the things you've been able to do really well is have just a calm mind, a quiet mind, and really not be distracted by all of the, the things that are going on in the outside world, social media, you know, distractions, overeating, whatever you want to call it, they're, they're there. And, um, and you've been doing that through wilderness. You've been doing that basically your whole life. So I would love for you to explain, first of all, how you've been able to do that. And second of all, why should people have a quiet mind instead of just being constantly stimulated? I appreciate that you're putting that on me, but uh, the quiet mind, but uh, don't, <laughs> I don't want to give anybody the wrong idea. Um, I, you know, with everything in life, it's a work in progress. So I do the best that I can to, you know, maintain calmness and a calm mind and, and reduce any, not, we're not talking clinical anxiety, let's say, but let's, you know, reduce any feelings of like, ah, but, but as with many people and, and, you know, we can all find this within ourselves. It's, it's a work in progress and it's, it never, ever, ever happens just like that. Agreed. It always takes time. So I'm in, I'm on my journey as we speak, you know, that doesn't mean that I always get the chance to get out there and go, go into the wilderness. I always try to, um, because it, it really, it's, it takes a lot of time to be able to get out, it, even just to like go for like, let's say a hike and everything. So like, let's say you're gonna spend an hour in the woods, depending on how far you're going to drive, it might end up taking you two or three or four hours to go do that. Yeah. Right. If you have to get your stuff ready and then it takes 20, 25 minutes, let's say to get to a place. And then you, then you have to set up when you get there and maybe go to the bathroom. And then, you know, you walk for an hour and then you have to go to the bathroom again. You have to like get some water. You have to get this, you know, you drive back and you know, the next thing you know, it's a few hours. And, but I mean, it's worth it. It's always worth it. But well, that's um, one of the things that I've been noticing in my life. Like I notice, especially like this week, I have a very packed week this week. I've had a very packed week over the last few weeks. And I just feel like I have no time no time to kick back, no time to relax. And man, like it's, it's good. Like it's good to relax. It's good to have it's those an, calm times. It's not just good. It's important. It's, it's necessary. You know, it's yeah. necessary to relax and, and uh, you know, so you're in college right now. So yep. there's a certain level of responsibility and a certain level of 
of time demands that you have right now. As you get older and as you move into different periods of your life, it changes drastically and not usually for the better. <laughs> you know, sorry, the time demands I'm talking about for not yes. for the better, meaning, meaning things just get better and better, of course. But, but you know, as, as people will maybe get married or maybe start a family or maybe adopt or maybe this or have a relationship or, you know, all these different things that start going on, every single one of them grabs at people's time like crazy. And so you end up having to, to figure out how to fit things in and it doesn't always work. And, and it's, it can be frustrating. It can be, but you know, you gotta, you gotta do the best you can and um, try and make time for the things that are important. And, you know, nature is amazing and but it's all there's also an aspect of you know being active so even if you can't get into nature just being active will help with that calm mind because we were talking about the calm mind before yeah. you know just being a little bit more present in the moment will help with that calm mind even if you're not able to get out into nature uh even if you're not able to exercise although i will say that exercise is so important it is yeah. um if you ever notice that you're like really, really antsy or just really, really stressed or anything like that, you know, try and look back in the past few days, past few weeks, like, have I gotten out and been active at all? Or am I kind of just cooped up or inside or just, you know, sitting around and doing not, not much of anything? Like we are the way that we, the way that we're built, we function best when we're active. We function best when we're moving around. I mean, you know, you want to go back, you know, thousands of years, like people had to work the farm and they had to work to this, they had to work to that. And they were active all the time and they didn't necessarily have as much food. Um, you know, the Rambam, uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> there's an old rabbi who's also a doctor from the 1100s, I believe about, about that time. Maybe it was the 1300s. Maimonides. People have heard about him. There's a lot of hospitals named after him. Uh, you know, in Hebrew, people would call him the Rambam, which is just an acronym for like the rabbi, I think Moses Ben, which means son of uh, Maimon, which is the Maimonides, right? Maimonides is like the Latin version of son of Maimon. Anyways, the main point of that is that he wrote books on health. And one of the things that he wrote was that, uh, you know, when you eat, never eat to say, to, uh, I don't know how to say the word, to satiety, you know, never mm -hmm. eat till you're full. Yeah. I don't follow that very well, but, uh, but, you know, I, I will tell you that like the more that we see about health information and everything, he wrote this 800 years ago, 900 years ago, you know, but like the more that we see about health information, the more we see that like people are very, very, very rarely, if ever getting sick because they didn't eat enough as long as they're covering their nutritional needs. Yeah. All right. I'm not talking malnutrition. I'm not talking somebody who sits there and says, I'm going to go on a crazy diet and do 500 calories a day, that, which is insane. Right. But I'm saying like, if somebody, let's say needs 2000 calories a day and, or whatever is, you know, and is, is, is like just under there or something like that. Right. They'll be, I mean, probably be feeling amazing, be feeling really good, you know? So like, he's like, never eat to your full because when we eat to our full, it, that's, that's kind of, I guess, where we end up getting in trouble. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, it, it makes a huge difference. And I noticed that just, you know, in general, right? You ask the question, why do people go on their phone so much? Why do people constantly feel the need to eat too much? Why do people constantly do all of these things for, let's call it stimulation? For example, when you go in, you know, you're, you're bored. So you just go on your phone, right? There was actually a great study where they brought these, uh, they brought people in a room and for 15 minutes, they said, sit at this desk, sit at this table, Nothing more. Just sit for 15 minutes. And there's only one option or two options that you can do. Just sit and do nothing. Or there's this nice little red button here. And if you press it, it shocks you. 
what do you think? What, what do you like? You get the choice. And, <laughs> and something like, Oh good. I want to do it again. <laughs> 65% of men shock themselves because we're just the women, not the women. Uh, 30% of women, or I think 20% oh, of women. It was, it that was, was a shock. Now I want to know. Come on, do the experiment to me. Let's go. You know? Yeah. Right. Like what's so special about this shock, but that's the thing. Like we just, we're just in this constant need for, like I've come to the realization that when I eat, most of the times I eat because I'm just, you know, I just need something on my lips or, you know, I'm kind of bored. So I just start eating and I feel this constant need for doing something. Right. And, and this is, this is one of the big things that, you know, um, that I guess people in general struggle with and I struggle with. It's like, you know what? Why don't we just sit down and relax for a little bit? Why can't we just quiet our minds to the point where for 30 minutes we're just sitting down and just thinking or relaxing or doing nothing. And, um, and man, that's, that's the question in my opinion of let's say the 21st century. Yeah. So, I mean, absolutely. I I agree wholeheartedly. One of the things that I would tell people also, and you know, yourself, myself, you know, I, I, I do this myself also. Sometimes it can be hard, especially in our fast paced society, especially when we have such a little bit of time and, you know, we're trying to fit all this stuff in. It can be hard to sit there and say, look, I'm just going to take 10 minutes. I'm just going to take 20 minutes. I'm just going to take 30 minutes and I'm going to do nothing. No stimulation, no book, no phone, no TV, no food, nothing. That can be really hard. I mean, I mean, if you're able to start off doing it for a minute and then expand it to two minutes, you know, that's, that's a form of meditation, right? Um, you know, there's many different types of meditation and, and you don't have to necessarily do anything. And, and, you know, people think, I think incorrectly, I believe, um, uh, I wrote a book by this guy, I think Andy Puddlecombe, which is like headspace. Okay. And so he's t- he tells a fascinating story about how he ended up in a few different monasteries. He had to escape over the wall, like crazy stuff. Those, you know, he's got great stories from like when he was becoming a monk and learning how to meditate. But one of the most fascinating things that he said is that is that he was sitting there, he's trying to like sit there and empty his mind of everything. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the um, I forget what you would call it, the you know one of the higher ups, the abbot maybe whatever you know one of the one of the people that were, that were there for longer than him was like, stop trying to make your mind empty just sit and observe meaning don't control your thoughts meaning there's a big difference between you know people are like oh i want to get to the empty and and they can't do it and they try they can't do it it's like forget it meditation is not for me but but a better way to put it is to just figure out how to like not control your thoughts and just observe um and the way that the way that the per the the way that his mentor described it to him and now i'm going to describe that way to you is that he said imagine that you are a an observer by a busy street so you could stand in the middle of the street and try and wave the cars down and say you go to the left and you go to the right and you go this way now you guys stop and now this intersection goes and that's what we're doing all the time basically instead walk over to the side of the road sit down and just watch (laughs) and so I'm not always able to do that, but the, the places that I found myself most able to do that is on the acupuncture table, mm-hmm. right? You walk in, you, the acupuncturist sits you down. They ask if anything's going on. Yes, no, whatever. They they put needles in certain places and then they leave you alone for 20 minutes, for an hour, depending on the session, depending on the acupuncturist. And in those times have, have always been the times when I've been most successful at 
not controlling my thoughts and it's 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 fascinating to see what's going on like because there's the whole level of i guess of subconscious and everything but that's okay so anyways so the, the main point of all that was it's very hard to have the time and to make the time and to find the time to sit there and do nothing for let's say 30 minutes but you can start with a small amount and increase it that's first of all yeah. second of all when you put yourself into a position where you don't have additional stimuli you can get a very similar feeling maybe it's not quite as good as like meditating by yourself in in you know a place whatever but you can get yourself close and and ways that i find to do that are like going on walks by myself going on hikes by myself uh you know just you can put yourself into these positions and and you know then you're like kind of killing two birds with one stone right if you sit there and you go to a local park and you walk for like an hour and you're by yourself and you're not pulling your phone out and you're not looking at it and you're not doing anything like that. So you do have stimuli because there's the trees and there's the birds. And maybe if you're walking by a river, there's the water. And maybe if you're walking by a lake or, you know, there, maybe you'll see other people on the road, but overall you're alone. You're by yourself. You're, you ha- you're able to sit there and let your thoughts flow. Um, there are a lot of books that will talk about, a lot of things and you know one of the things I, i'm trying to remember which book it was that i read it in but walks taking taking walks to allow your mind to sit there and, and process things like people people often don't realize the value of that well that's the right? thing so you, you brought up some incredible points there and i think every single point that you brought there like i was i was letting you go because every single point would like it supported one underlying point which is just that the paradox of trying you know this this the futility of trying so for example you know have you ever tried to fall asleep you know like you're laying in your bed and my daughter tries every night she's like i'm trying i can't do it i'm like just lay there and close your eyes and just let it go you know and just just let go (laughs) right like (laughs) like there's trying to focus right? If you're trying to focus, you know, you sit down, you say, okay, you know, maybe I've been distracted for the last 30 minutes, but I'm just going to sit down and focus now and and go. It's like, nope, that doesn't work, right? And trying to meditate, right? Trying to meditate, and this gets back to this exact point, is, well, a paradox, because what you're really saying is, I'm trying to let go. And if you're trying to let go because you know that you need to let go trying to let go is by definition a paradox because to let go you need to let go of trying and that's sort of where you're at so um so i think this is the this is the root of the problem and this is exactly what you're saying is as you go deeper you start to realize that the more we try to do things the the longer we work the you know the more work we have to do, the more responsibilities that we take up, the more we have to try to do things. And unfortunately, then we, we lose the ability to let go. We lose the ability to quiet our minds because our mind is quiet when we're not trying anything. So um, to bring that all the way back around, it's just, you know, like quieting your mind, calming down your mind partially requires the letting go of trying itself. Uh, yeah, I love what you're saying over there. The paradox of you know we have to both try and let go at the same time. It's a uh, it's it's a really good point, you know. And 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 the more that we're able to, it's interesting. Um, in the program, they have a saying, right? And you know they have the saying in in the re- the real world also. 
uh, you know, live and let live is the real world. And then you'll have like in people who are in 12 step programs might say things like live and let God. Yep. Right. It, now, now taken into context, just to give a little bit of backstory for people who are not familiar with it. Like I have family members. I've part of my backstory involves the program in, in certain ways and very interesting ways, but basically, you know, one of the tenets of, of the 12 step programs is the, the recognition of a higher power, you know, so, yeah. Oh, step one. Okay. I guess I, yeah, I don't, I don't know the steps. Step one is realize that you're not in control of your situation. Okay. Number one. Yeah. So I'm saying, but like, but like, so for some people that means God for other people that doesn't necessarily mean God. It might mean something like, um, it might mean that they just recognize that there's like, let's say mother nature or whatever, but the main point, so that's, that's what I'm saying. So just because I said, live in like God, I don't want anybody to sit there and laugh and be like, bah, ha, ha, I'm an atheist. So it doesn't mean anything, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, it's okay to recognize that there are powers greater than ourselves. Um, and, you know, if you want to call that nature, then, you know, fine. But, you know, sometimes you just got to like live and let, and let go, right. You got to live and let things happen. And, 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 and it's really, really hard because we always want to be control in control. We always want to be trying to do what we're trying to do. And a lot of times we just, the more we put into it, the less we'll take out of it. So we sometimes we kind of just have to like take a step back and say, okay, you know, I'm just going to let um, this, I'm just going to let this happen. I'm just going to let this, let, let this go. And that's one of the most important things that I realized in my life. It's like, what happens if you are always trying to be in control and you're always turned on and you're always trying to do things? Anxiety. Anxiety is the natural reaction because what happens is, let's say you're working, 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 doing things, feeling things, all of this, and then you get to a place of boredom. Right? You get to a place of, oh, wait, I'm not doing anything. There's nothing. There's no work left for me to do anything like that. When you get to that point, you, you're like, holy crap, like, what do I do now, right? Like, I need to be trying. I need to be doing something. I need to be – and that's why we have, in my opinion, something like the distractions that, that exist in our society, right? Because when you are sitting there and you're like, okay, you know what? I'm so bored. I have nothing to do. I have no place to go mentally. Well, let me just distract myself with something so I can focus on it. Because when you're on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, you're not distracted. You're highly focused, right? Those things make you are, that is the whole, you know, it releases a tremendous amount of dopamine, right? Dopamine is the neurochemical modulator of focus, right? You realize that when you're on your phone, you're literally tuning out the rest of the world. You're highly, highly focused. And, and, um, and the whole idea behind that is, well, it sort of lets go of that existential dread that we have, that underlying anxiety. Because if you're focused on that screen, if you're focused on exactly that one thing, then you don't have to worry about the underlying anxiety. Yeah. So, I mean, you're probably seeing some facial expressions on about this, this concept of like people are being highly, highly focused when they're on Instagram or things yep. like that. Um, and I'm, I think I'm recognizing that I think you're right that they are highly focused, but it's a weird type of focus, meaning yes. – uh, you know, if you and I started working on a project together, let's just say, right. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, things were just clicking and things are just moving and we get into this point and like, everything's just working really, really well. We're highly, highly focused, mm -hmm. but we're highly focused and we're in that, that what we, what people call the state of flow. Yep. And, and that place, like when we can get into that state of flow, like we are so charged up, we have so much energy just coming through every single bone in our body. And we're just, 
you know, everything's working and just it, it, the, for people who haven't experienced the state of flow, it's hard to describe, but yeah. it, but it everyone puts, has, That's the thing. yeah, I mean, it, it, it's so energizing. Right. But, but I don't, I don't know that anybody has ever flipped through Instagram, flipped through Twitter, flipped <laughs> through, flipped through their Facebook feed. Yes. They're highly focused. Yes. They're ignoring the world around them. Yes. It seems like the most important thing on the table, right. That second, I don't think it's a healthy focus. I think that's what I'm trying to say. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's the type of focus where it's like, oh yeah, wow. Like I feel really great about myself about the fact that I just sat there and looked through TikTok videos for the past hour. Actually, I think so it's this, like, okay, yeah, no, I mean, there are a lot of studies on it. So I read the book. Uh, I, I can never pronounce his name, but the guy who created it, I'll call him uh, Mahali Chiksamahali. I think that's what his name is, but he's the guy who created the concept of flow. He wrote a whole book on flow and I read it highly suggest. Actually, I don't really highly suggest it. I really didn't like it that much, but it, it has some good concepts. You could probably get it. You, there's so much, so much content online that you could find it there, but you could find it on blog posts and all that. I, but, I usually non nonfictions because it's, I, I don't like reading nonfictions. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, like... Uh, and, so I usually listen to them when I'm driving. Which is fine. And you know what? Like, I really, to be honest, I really do not suggest his book. Like, I really... <laughs> like, I really Don't ever ask him to be a guest on your show. <laughs> I won't. I won't. But I'm, I'm a very honest person. And I really, I thought it was so... Like, he fit 20 pages worth of content into 300 pages. And I hate... Okay. Okay. It was tedious. Get the, get the cliff notes. Tedious. Yeah, just get the cliff notes. That's 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 my right. meaning. He had he had good ideas. It just it, so I, I've seen books like that before where like, you know, you get it and I, I saw it and I saw the guy's name in one place and I saw his book in other places and I know that his book was highly praised. So I got another one that was like this from the same series. And then I was like looking at reviews and people were like, this is basically the first book just rewritten with a new exactly. cover and a new name. And I'm like, yeah, forget exactly. it. Like, I'm, not whatever. I'm not a fan. But anyways, so, um, so he, he brought in a lot of good studies and I thought it was really great. One of the things about flow, right, is that in flow, you are immersed, right? You are completely immersed. Right now we're in this conversation and you realize there are probably a lot of sounds that are going on around you, all of these things. I haven't been paying attention to any of them because I'm so immersed in this conversation. We could even say we're in a state of flow, right? Or not super flow, but we're in flow, you know? But when you're on social media, you're also immersed, right? You're also completely, this. it's the only thing you're focusing on. You lose track of other conversations, you know, like all of these things. But at the same time, when you're in a flow state, it is actually a good experience. Like people are enjoying it. Chiksamihai even calls it one of the, um, one, like one of the, like one of the keys to happiness. But there are studies that when you're scrolling on social media, if someone were to ask you, how are you feeling right now? Even though you're completely focused, you are not happy. It is not, not an enjoyable experience. So, I mean, being engaged, right? Being present in the moment, like what you're talking about, like in the conversation, not focus on any other stimulus because any other stimuli, whatever, <laughs> uh, because, because you're so engaged in what's going on, right? First, you know, that's, that's a state that I try to bring myself into when I can, um, you know, by going out into nature and things like that. But it's also one of the, the, one of my set of five keys to greatness because it is so important. I mean, I, I don't call it a state of flow. It's not really the same thing in the sense that like, you don't have to be in a state of flow to be fully engaged with what's going on. Yep. And, and I'll explain, right. When I'm washing the dishes, I don't feel like I'm in a state of flow. Like, I don't feel like things are just working. But I can be fully engaged in what I'm doing. Um, 
and you know, maybe you don't always want to be, but I'm saying it, it, it's the more that you can be engaged in what you are doing that's in, right in front of you and the less distractions that you have, I'm going to say on the table in front of you, but I don't mean on the table. I'm just looking at the table right now, but the less distractions <laughs> that you have all over you, you know, like the better off you're going to be. Yeah. And, well, and, so um, I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to throw in too many like Buddhist quotes because I know too many people aren't really into Buddhism, but, um, but one of the big things, one of the big parts about Buddhism is being in the present moment, right? Like being in the present moment. There's a great quote that I really love. It's like Buddhism doesn't confuse spirituality with thinking about God while peeling the potatoes. Instead, Buddhists just peel the potatoes. And I really like that. Like, I really think that there's, there's such a strong idea in just like where you are right now is the best thing that's possible. And I, I've like, it's funny because you don't realize that until you realize that. Like I used to like understand, I used to thought, think that I understood like what being in the present moment felt like. And then there was just like maybe three times in my life when it happened like three weeks ago where I'm just sitting there and I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to let go. Like I'm going to let go. And part, part of it is me trying to let go. Part of it is me actually letting go. And you know, it only really works when I actually do let go. And I'm just so immersed in the present moment where like I could hear all the sounds around me, all the little sounds and, you know, the little footsteps and creaks. And, you know, like I see all the movement going on and the bug in the corner, like all of these things, I feel like I become super conscious and, um, and it actually overwhelms me. Every time I get that feeling, I get goosebumps. <laughs> It is. I was going to say, when we were talking about flow before, I was going to say like a, a, one way to potentially describe it, right? With at least from the perspective that like somebody's in a state of flow because they're in the middle of like some type of creation, mm-hmm. I would almost call it like almost like touching God. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that like we're able to physically touch something that's a spiritual manifestation or whatever you want to call it. Or, you know, there's a lot of ways you can break that down and say, no, it's not true. But, but, you know, um, for people who are religious, right? There's the concept of creation, right? Creationism and all that, whatever you want to call it. So when we get into that state of flow and everything falls to the wayside, because we're in this moment of, you know, I'm creating this and I'm creating this and just, it's, it's all working and it's all clicking and it's all going, you know, I I feel like there's an aspect of, you know, spirituality. uh, Yeah. Like there, yeah. I mean, you know, for people who, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't mean to water it down, but yeah, that's that's kind of what it sounds like, you know. Like, it is actually a spiritual experience when you're immersed in something. It's not just, you know, just I'm not just doing homework, you know. I am, I am, my entire being is on this paper, and it is we're we're in a negotiation. We're talking to each other, and we're communicating, and it's not just, you know, just doing homework. It's so much more than that. Absolutely. Yeah, that um, I like that. I like that. So, um, it's really interesting, you know. Like we talk about these states, right? We talk about these states, and one of them is this letting go. Another one is this flow, right? And I would like to call these optimal states, right? Like you think about it, and there are a thousand other states you could be in, including scrolling on social media. That sort of mindless scrolling state, you know. And um, and I guess I guess I have. Just a question. Do you, do you, what other optimal states do you sort of experience in your daily life? Which, which states do you really try to get to? Uh, 
I'm going to answer with which states do I try to get to? I mean, um, I don't know. Uh, that's a great question. So, I know it's an abstract question, but I'm sitting it's, here. It's, it's, it is an abstract question, and it's also very difficult because I have uh, <laughs> I have four little kids. <laughs> so it's just it it's uh, you know the the optimal state that I try to get in when I'm around them is you know not losing meaning to stay calm and to not lose your mind, you know, (laughs) it can get get hectic here and there. Um, So (laughs) so I wouldn't call that too much of an optimal state. I mean, right. (laughs) But, um, but that's the thing, right? Like I would call, you know, I, I see this all the time. And the reason why I'm, I'm sort of bringing up this prompt is because I usually think of what states am I trying to avoid? This is usually the mindset that I'm in, which is, you know, I find myself getting distracted. And when I'm distracted, I'm like, oh, I really can't be in that state. But I'm really trying to think of what are the optimal states in which I should be in. And I'm thinking another one is love, right? Like when you're around your kids, I'm sure you've had those experiences, probably since they're young. And since you have four of them, they, they it comes a little less often, just complete gratitude and complete appreciation of exactly where you are. So you're, I mean, you're calling them states. I just, I think that's where maybe I'm falling apart with the question is because, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned love and gratitude. And so those, I feel like are a little bit more on the level of emotion and less on states. I'm saying, so yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But w- when you don't talk yourself too much out of distraction and hear the caveats with that, because play is incredibly, incredibly important. Yes. Right. People don't recognize that and people don't want to, don't want to, you know, people lose out on play a lot of times because they don't give themselves that opportunity and because they think that they're not allowed to, they're not allowed to be distracted. They always have to be performing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, it, it's, it's through play that we have the strength and we have the wherewithal to perform. And when we're not able to play, when we're not able to sit there and give ourselves that outlet, when we're not able to sell to give ourselves that ability to sit there and just like, let it all go and just do something else and just get distracted in a positive way. Yep. Uh, we're not able to function. And so, so, you know, if, if you're, if you're getting on your own case about being distracted because you're flipping through social media, fine, no problem. You know uh, that's, I would agree with what you're saying there, but if you're talking about, let's say going to, you know, the, the field and playing football with a bunch of friends or playing soccer or playing baseball or playing, uh, you know, going to the swimming pool and horsing around. I mean, I mean, there's a, whatever, you know, pick anything that you want that, that involves like, you know, a bunch of people laughing and social aspects and stuff like that. Um, you might do better, like allowing yourself to have some distractions here and there because it will, you know, I mean, there, you know, the, the cliche sayings are so cliche, but a lot of times they're true, right? All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Uh, it, it goes a little bit further than that. And if you're only working and you're not playing, you, you don't have the, the inner strength and the inner patience and the inner everything to sit there and have the, like, I think that when we're playing more, we, we, we're more able to get ourselves into like a state of flow. We're more able to get ourselves into that state of productivity. We're more able to, you know, no, you know, some, I mean, of the, some of the times that I'm most productive is when I'm when I'm sitting there and I've got you know the exercise candidate uh, lined up and the play and you know um, and so a lot of times I'll try to do the exercise and the play at the same time like why not you know like if I can I mean it, whatever COVID's messed up everything and uh, so is the move that we did a little while ago but you know if if you can go play a game of basketball 
and you're hitting the play aspect of it and you're hitting the exercise aspect of it, right? We need that time. We need that time and people don't give themselves that time, which is the craziest thing. You know, it is what it is, you know, but we need, we really need that play time in order to, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, actually, it's it's really interesting. First of all, I've never heard that phrase before. You call it a cliche: "All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy." I like it's, that. It's an old one. Sorry. Really? Yeah. I'm dating myself over here. <laughs> I'm a bit it's of a prob- I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if it came from like the 1800s. <laughs> but but that's the thing. I actually, it's really funny because you know I've been through many periods in my life. Obviously, um, I'm I'm 20, and I find that every year I'm sort of like bouncing. Recorded through. recorded as early as 1659. 1659. Yep. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm only 20, so I haven't experienced it. Right. That much, I'm saying, but, you know. <laughs> but that's the thing, you know, like I've if noticed nobody made life. a meme out of it. I don't know it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but, that, but I think, I think it actually rings true. And, you know, like that actually like filled in a nice little puzzle piece for me. Cause when I, when I think about my life, I think about my sort of, um, there was one year where I was dogmatically Christian so like, you know, not like Christian how it was intended to be, more like Christian, like, you know, all work and no play makes Shaq a dull boy. So, you know, basically I I focused on my work. I focused on what I called my duty. I was, quote, self-sacrificial, which a lot of Christian dogma makes you do, you know, really sacrifice yourself for other people and really never focus on your self-interest, which is one of the most anti-human things ever, by the way. Um especially if it doesn't align with your own interests. And then, yeah, like I was just focused on being a crazy entrepreneur. And I realized that by the end of that year, I lost part of my humanity. You know, all work and no play. When I, I lost the ability to play. And I realized that part of what I was trying to do was turn myself into a robot. And that's part of what capitalism does. That's part of what, you know – striving to do things was i know you have you have your face facial expressions but i got to explain it better so um like i'm i was trying to let's say i'm trying to be the most efficient person possible right i'm trying to be an entrepreneur all work and no play if i'm trying to be an efficient entrepreneur i'm never going to be as good as a robot a robot is going to focus for a hundred hours a week. I, let's assume there are a hundred hours. I think it's like hundred seven, but and it's not going to sleep because like one sixty eight. But yeah, yeah, one sixty eight. It's going to focus for hundred sixty eight hours a week, and it's going to never sleep and work productively, being a flow state if that even exists for a robot the whole time. But humans, we're fallible, right? We're not as efficient as possible. But no matter what, if you're striving to get a goal, then you're going to strive to be as efficient as possible. And if you're all work and no play, then you are essentially trying to imitate a robot. You're going to spend your entire life trying to imitate this robot. And what I realized is, okay, you know what? I could do that. I could work the eight-hour weeks. I could work the 90-hour weeks. I could do it. But I'm going to lose my humanity in the process. I'm going to lose that part of that, that state of play, that state of, you know, being immersed in my friends and family and all of these things. And essentially I'm going to lose my humanity. Yeah. So a a lot to unpack over there. So a few things. So first of all, um, yeah, absolutely. If, if we are trying to force ourselves to work like a robot, we will not function well. Second of all, um, if we are approaching religion and let's say any religion, in the self-sacrificial mode and you know i mean nothing 
and I'm going to only do for the community. And I'm just going to sit there and like, just say yes and just take on all these projects. It's never going to work. It's inevitably it will lead to our own burnout. Now, does that mean that we have to say no to everything? Not at all. Right. Uh, my, um, one of my wife's mentors told her, you know, one time, cause she was like talking about this and then she's like, if you don't do for you, who's going to do for you? Yeah. You know, and it's not to say that that you're not allowed to have somebody in your life, like a, in a relationship that's taking care of you and that's watching out for your best interests, of course. But you also need to watch out for your best interests. And if you're being self-sacrificial, you're not watching out for your best interests. And not only will you suffer, but the entire world will suffer. Yeah. Because if you are not functioning, then everybody around you is going to be suffering for that. And And you brought up and you said capitalism makes people do that. I would argue strongly that it's not capitalism that makes people do that. It's people thinking that they need to be the next Elon Musk. Maybe that needs to, that creates that, um, you know, capitalism, what ends up happening with capitalism is that in, in a, in a, in a nutshell to a degree is that people can be selfish for themselves, which overall ends up being good for humanity. Right. Yes. Um, in a capitalistic society, I can be selfish in the sense that I want to sit there and try and build a business that creates a lot of money, right? I can't do that without hiring people, without giving people a good working wage, without now, now, of course, you have the monsters in capitalism who will sit there and be like, well, yeah, my company is grossing $800 million a year, but I'm only going to pay you $8 an hour, right? That happens. But in a, in a true capitalistic society, what will end up happening is that the other companies like, no, we value our workers and we value their time. We want to make sure that they're taken care of. So we're going to pay them $20 an hour. And the person who's like, I'll pay you $8 an hour. People will be like, I'm not working for you. Um, the problem comes in when things start. There's a, I mean, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, but when lot. people start to try to try to influence things in certain ways and then, and then change things in certain ways, what ends up happening? I mean, I'll, you know, I'll give you an example. When I was growing up, right, if you needed somebody to come and help you move stuff around, let's say, you know, uh, uh, for a moving job or just to, you know, move a TV to the basement or something, you could offer 10 bucks an hour cash and people would jump at the opportunity. Uh, you know, 10 years goes by, 20 years goes by, whatever it was. And I was trying to find some people to help me and everything. And in my head, it was still 10 bucks an hour, but I guess, you know, inflation and other, and, and this is not talking about the, 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 the jump in inflation that's been happening lately. This is just talking about the, the, what happens over 20 years, money, you know, you need more money to do the same amount of stuff over that's, you know, it's known, like there's a known figure. Typically they try to keep inflation at two to 3% per year. And I'm like looking around and they're like 20 bucks an hour minimum. And I'm like, oh, and then I realized like, you know, but, but again, right. Um, that's happening because of supply and demand, right? There, there are people who are willing to be the supply at 20 bucks an hour, but at 10 bucks an hour, they're just not willing to do it. Um, but that, you know, that's, that's, that's one thing. And, but one thing also you mentioned is being very goal oriented. I just recently finished listening to Scott Adams book called how to fail at everything and still win big. Hmm. And, um, it's, it's fantastic book. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to read or to listen to. And he goes through a lot of stuff in there and, you know, it's just like a lot of like his thought processes and what he went through in his life and different things. And, and some of the stuff that he talks about is systems, not goals, because when we're running after goals, we're running after we're, we're constantly in a state of failure, basically. Okay. My goal is to, uh, 
let's say, I mean, run a marathon is, is I feel like is a good goal that, that you can work within the system and, you know, you know, it's, it's a, it's a stopping, it's a stepping stone, you know, that just sits there and says, this is what I want to actually do. So I'll sit there and use a system to do it. So it's not a good goal, but let's say uh, your goal is like, you know, I want to be, I want to create a million dollar company. Every single day that you don't have a million dollar company, you are in, I guess, failure of your goal in the sense that like you haven't done it yet. And every, and, and, and even if you sit there and spend the next three years working on that and you achieve that goal, the second you achieve that goal, then what? Right. But if you sit there and you say, I want to be a, I want to be successful in business. And so I'm going to find systems that will help me be successful in business. Then you start, then you can start to create systems that will allow you to be successful in business. I need to work every single day. I need to sit there and and take steps forward every single day, you know, however you define your systems. Right. So it's not goals anymore. It's just, you know, I need to sit there and spend this much time on building my business every single day. It's two hours, two hours in the middle of the night. It's two hours in the early morning. It's this, it's this, whatever it is that you're trying to build a skill. So you build a system around it. Um, you know, one of the, probably the best ways to put one of the best examples, I think that, you know, he talks about, uh, diet and weight and, and exercise and stuff like that is when somebody says, I have a goal of losing 10 pounds, right? You're in a state of failure until you lose the 10 pounds. And then if you gain the weight back, you're in a state of failure. Again, if you have a system of, I eat healthy and here's how I do it. And I, and I move, I'm active every single day. Well, so if, you know, if your weight fluctuates a little bit, well, you know, you're not in a state of failure. You're still following your system. You're eating overall healthily. You're, you're, you're exercising every single, you know what I'm saying? So it, yeah. it just, I've been experimenting with that for a while now. So for the last probably like year, year and a half, I've been goalless, right? And I've been I've been um, using the systems approach in which you've been using. And I noticed that, first of all, it helps with burnout tremendously, right? Like, you know, let's say right now. So recently I, I have my family coming over on Thursday. Today is Tuesday. So I, I set a goal to, to – um, to get stuff done by the time I see my family. So I've noticed that I said that goal on Sunday. I've noticed that in the last two days, I've been stressed. I've been, my motivation has declined. Like it's been, yeah, it's actually declined, which is really funny, but yeah, like burnout, <laughs> stress, all of these things. And it's, it's like, it hurts, you know? And I'm like, if I live like this for the rest of my, you know, for the next two weeks, like I'll be by the third week, I'll be, you know, sleeping for 20 hours a day and hoping to never wake up, you know, like, like it's, you know, it's, it's intense. So probably not that much, but you know what I mean? So, um, but that's the thing. So I've been using the systems approach, but the problem I find with the systems approach is it just doesn't get as much done because, you know, the, the, or at least for me, it doesn't get as much done because when you really think about it, every single company structure that's ever existed that has worked has had goals. Every single human or many humans, you know, like you look at, the the people who make it to the top of YouTube charts, for example, that's the people that I usually look at. They had a goal to be at the top of the YouTube charts, you know, like there's this guy named Mr. Beast on YouTube. And one of his big things was I, he would say every single day, I am going to be the number one YouTube channel. Muhammad Ali would say, that's, I'm going to be the number one boxer. I would just, I would just make a point. That's a, an affirmation more so than a goal. Does that make sense? No. Meaning, so, so I, I highly recommend you grab that book, because, <laughs> but because he t- he tells his his experiences with affirmations. But um, you sitting there and saying every single day, "I will be X Y Z," 
mm-hmm. is an affirmation. You're right. It is to a degree. It's like a goal, right? Because that's what you're shooting for. That's what you're striving for. But it's, you know, it's, I don't know, a, a goal. I think of, I guess, a little bit more as like a target on the wall and that's kind of a target, but like saying it every single day is like kind of like an affirmation, like I'm going to be this. So then like, it kind of like aligns the whole, whether or not they actually work, you know, read the book. I'm saying he talks about it. He brings up a few examples where they did work for him. Um, even though he was skeptical, but like, you know, when you, when you sit there and say every single day, I'm going to be a, you know, a best-selling author, let's say I'm going to be a this, I'm going to be a this. It's, it's, it's repeating a mantra in your mind in a sense. And so it focuses you on that outcome. You can okay. do it through, I guess I'm saying you can do it through goals or you can do it through, uh, through systems. I'm saying like, you know, as a, for instance, the best-selling author, right? Well, how are you going to be a best-selling author, right? So when you're repeating it to yourself every single day, you're hopefully putting yourself in a mindset that's going to find things that will like help that happen. Mm-hmm. But if your goal is to be a best-selling author, I mean, you know, if you're not writing, you're not doing anything towards your goal. But if you're, if you're, you know, if your system is, I write every single day, that's my system, right? I, you know, some days are going to be better than others. I'm going to be in more of a state of flow on day one and not day three. Um, yeah, I mean, so I don't, I guess another way to put it is I don't necessarily fully understand or fully grasp. Like I, as soon as I finished the book, I meant to listen to it again or possibly get a copy of it and read it. But no, well, I don't necessarily fully grasp this whole like, you know, fine line between goals and systems. But the way you're putting that it, it and based on this one particular book without going into others and everything, it seems like that would maybe be more of an affirmation which is very helpful. And, and, and based on what I heard from him, I would highly recommend you do, but. Yeah. I mean, so that's, that's kind of what I've been experiencing. So what I did was in the past, so for this last year, year and a half, I've been very productive and getting a lot of stuff done, you know, published my book, lecture series, professional hypnotist. I have a bunch of stuff going on plus this podcast. So I've been, I've been doing really well with getting stuff done and I've been pretty, we'll call it hyperproductive. And a lot of it has been, um, has been system-based. So I will say that, like I've gotten a lot of stuff done using the system approach. I'm gonna get X much done in X much time and blah, 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 you know, and it, and it really works. The only problem I have is that it's not outcome-based. So for example, when I use the systems approach, I don't end up having a um, marketing goal. So for example, I say, okay, I'm gonna write two hours a day, right? But then I'm not saying to myself, I'm going to have X many followers. I'm going to have X many people that buy my book. I'm going to have X many people that do this, this, and that. Because the only way that you could really motivate yourself, in my opinion, to do that, actually, no, I guess it's not the only way, but I could, I could see how you could use the systems approach for it. But, um, but yeah, like it makes so much sense to just be like, I'm going to have the most followers and I'm, I'm going to align all my goal structures towards this goal and say, I'm going to have the most followers by the end of this. I'm sure you could say, I'm going to, I'm going to post on Twitter every single day and I'm going to pr- produce X much content, all that stuff. But, um, but the goal approach just seems so much more direct. Yeah. I, another thing also is, I, you know, I feel like you can use goals in a business maybe a little bit more than you can use than typical. Like, you know, to sit there and make a goal for your life, like I'm going to have 10,000 followers on Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's great, but you know, you actually have to get 10,000 followers on Instagram in order to be in a state. But you know, to sit there and, and say from a business perspective, we're going to, you know, 
you know, our projections for this year are that we're going to make $10,000 a month, 15, 20, $100,000 a month, whatever. Um, when you don't make that, right. And if, if it's a realistic projection, when you don't make that, you can sit there and, you know, sit down with some of your business people and be like, well, great. We had this hope, this goal, business goal. We didn't hit it. Let's, you know, talk about it and try and figure out what happened. Yeah. Why is it that we're not hitting it? And then, and then that's something to like discuss, but when, you, when you're doing it with your own life, um, like you constantly have to be setting targets and constantly be striving towards the targets and every single second that you're not there you're in a state of failure and then as soon as you get there you need to set a new target otherwise your entire life falls apart yeah yeah right and And then so you're working towards a goal for three months and then you hit it and then you're like amazing i hit my goal what now (laughs) you know yeah that's the anxiety versus systems versus systems right uh you know oh well i eat healthy well three months later that you've lost the 10 pounds let's just you know whatever uh, uh as an example well so three months later you lost the 10 pounds but you could still keep on eating healthy because it's not like wow i achieved my goal now i can eat more right no yeah. my system is that i eat healthily well so it's, it's more like it's, it's more like yeah now i achieve my goal and now I'm not striving for anything, so I'm not as motivated, you know, like, right. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense. It's a uh, God, if you could, if you could put that together for marketing, then that would be, that'd be wonderful. Cause yes, I suck at marketing and I've resorted to goals. Uh, that's, that's why I recently did the goals for Thursday and, um, and it also it also depends on what you call them, you know. Like you don't have to necessarily call them goals, you know. I mean, you could just call it a plain old to do list, you know. I mean, I I have a lot of times like when I'm going into a holiday or when I'm going into a vacation, and I don't really want to worry about certain things during it, and I know that I have let's say 50 tasks that I have to take care of, you know. I have to do this with the with I have to set up, I have to do this with the car and I have to take care of this errand and I have to take care of this errand and I have to get the shirts from the cleaners and I have to get this and I have to, you know, follow up at this client about this and I want to get this part of the project out. And so, so what'll end up happening is, is, you know, sometimes when I'm like hyperproductive like that, I'll just resort to a written list, which you'd be surprised at how you, t- you, uh, you, how, oh, how useful, yeah. how useful, right. A written list is, and you just sit there and you just jump this, you know, dump this whole list down and just like brainstorm, like, what are the things that I actually have to do? Get it out of your head, get it onto paper. If you want to later move it electronically, no problem, but get it onto paper. And then, and then, you know, as you're working through things, just start crossing it off. And if you're, if your list starts getting too unwieldy to handle because some stuff is crossed and some stuff isn't move it to new paper, right? Get rid of all the stuff that you've already done and, and what you'll end up finding. So, so it, you know, what you'll end up finding is that you you're, you're hyperproductive. I mean, there's people who talk about it, eat that frog, I think by Brian Tracy, he talks about this, that like right before vacation, we're the most productive. Cause we, and I think what it comes down to is because we're like, okay, I only have 10 hours to do stuff. Here's my list of stuff that has to get done. Let me get it. Let me get it done. So a lot of times we get all of it done. Sometimes we don't get all of it done. And so what'll end up happening is like your goal I don't know how you define your goal, but let's say for Thursday, you define your goal as I just want to be able to focus on my family. So if you wrote everything down on a piece of paper, you might start looking at that and say, yeah, you know what? This is not that important. 
I can, I can let this, you know, your family's, let's say leaving next week. Right. I can, I can let that sit until next week. This is not that important. I can let that sit till next week. And you just sit there and you go through your list. You prioritize it. You say, these are the eight things that I have to do. These are the extra eight things that it would be great if I could do them. And these are the eight things that if I have time, I'll get them done. But like, they're just not that important. And that takes a lot of that stress of like, "Ah, I have 50 things that I have to do before my family gets here. I got to do it all now. And, and turns it into a, you know, here's my priorities list. And, it, you know, you, you can call it a goals list, but that might just be stressful. You can call it to-do list and just say, these are some small tasks that I have to do. And another thing is, is that, is that the number one thing to do is to do what works for you. And, and if working in goals works for you, and I probably did not do his concept of systems, not goals justice when I briefly explained it right now. But if, if, if working in goals works for you, then do it. And if working in goals doesn't work for you, then don't do it. You know, like it's like that a well, lot of people. Thing. So I just yeah. noticed there are a lot of drawbacks, right? There are a lot of drawbacks from each strategy. So what I do is, and I, I just realized this right now. So I actually have, um, I do, I do a lot of like, rushing right so you you just brought up a great point where you said that you're most productive before vacation and i asked the question and the reason why i'm i have so much stuff going on this week is because i'm essentially going on a vacation my family's coming over and i'm not working for the weekend so i'm hyper productive from monday through thursday and then from thursday through sunday i'm going to be just chilling with my family and i realized that the thing that makes me hyper productive is that I have to squish a lot of things in a small amount of time. So that gives me motivation, right? That's just exactly exactly what you said. I'm just restating it. Now, the next part is I realized that as a young person, entrepreneur, getting started, all of these things, I realized that I try to set goals to achieve things quicker than I'm supposed to. So for example, you know, I want to have X amount of things by the time I'm 25, right? 25 is really my age. And then as a result, I feel like I'm always in a rush. So because I'm like, oh, I need to get this by 25. I need to get this by 25. I need to get this by 25. I need to have X by the time I graduate. I need to have X by the time I'm 25. And I was talking to one of my mentors. His name is Maurice Bretsfield. I had him on the podcast too before. And, um, and he asked me why I didn't want to go study abroad. And I told him, I go, it's because I have stuff to do, right? It's because I have plans to achieve and I have to get X done by the time I'm 25, essentially. And and I realized that that's the same exact psychology. That's the same exact psychology. I, uh, as the vacation, right? The vacation is, oh, I'm short on time. Therefore, I need to rush a lot of things into a short period of time. So let's say I set a goal to be essentially ahead of schedule by have X done by the time I'm 25, then what I'm essentially doing is using that same psychology as a motivational technique without even knowing it. If, yeah, I, although I, I'm, I'm just wondering if, if it's able to, if a person is able to stay in that state of extreme getting stuff done for years at a time, obviously it would be great, great if question. we could, Yeah, but I wonder, I just wonder like if it, if that does not contribute to burnout and I will tell you just coming from my own experiences, uh, I, I wasn't necessarily as goal oriented as you were when I was younger, but I can tell you that, that the things that you'll regret the most as you get older are the things that you could have done that you just didn't do because you were too busy. Mm. So if you actually have an opportunity to go study abroad, dude, there's, there's not going to be a better time in your life. 
right? I'm saying you're not going to be in college forever, right? So you can sit there, you can go to Europe, yeah. And if you end up, if you end up achieving those goals and you're a multimillionaire by the time you're 25 or 30 or 35 or whatever, you can go to Europe, you can live it up in a totally different way, right? But the experiences that you get, and it could be that it's not even relevant now with COVID and everything, but the experiences that you get from, you know, going to Europe and staying in cheap hostels and, and, you know, I mean, take care of yourself and be, and, you know, be wary, but, and, you know, don't bring very expensive electronics necessarily, but the experiences that you get from doing stuff like that, I can't speak from experience because I didn't do it, but I should have done it. Right. I mean, like I was sitting around, I was doing nothing, you know, whatever. I was like 20, 22 years old. Like, why the hell did I not sit there and take a thousand dollars and just get on a plane and go hang out in Europe for six weeks or eight weeks or whatever, you know, like that was an experience that I could have had that I just, I just didn't do. And, and so, so, you know, you'll never get that opportunity back. So don't, you know, when you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing and I've got to get this done, I've got to get this done, I've got to get this done. You just, you're not going to, you know, you're going to miss out on things and you're going to look back and you're going to be like, you know, you'll have people who did go abroad. You'll be like, man, it seems like they really had a good time. You have people who did go backpacking in Europe. You'll have people who did go, uh, you know, learn how to ski. You'll have people who did go learn how to do that. You know, like it doesn't make, you know, you don't have to do somebody else's life. And if going abroad doesn't make sense for you, then don't do that. I, that's not the point. The point is, if you have something you're really interested in, but you're putting it off because you'll have more time later, don't expect that you'll have more time later. Do it now. Yeah. Well, that's that's uh, that, this actually ties it together really well because this is what I've been noticing in my own life. So what you just said is essentially don't be too focused that you miss the rest of the world. Right. Don't be too focused that you miss out on the experience. And we were talking about focus before, and I realized that I tend to do that. I tend to be hyper-focused and, you know, that's, that's part of it. You know, like some people are addicted to nicotine. Some people are addicted to, you know, heroin, you know, like I just love my work. And, you know, maybe we could even say that's a, that's the difference between positive and negative focus. Like we were talking about before, of course, if you're, if you're focused on getting heroin, you're really focused. And if you're focused on, you know, on working hard, then you're really focused, but one's positive and one's negative. But then at the same time, that might be the problem of focus in general. The problem of focus in general is that you tune out the rest of the world. And maybe that means I should study abroad. God damn. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Again, right. So study abroad might be a bad example because maybe you don't want to do it. If you're, if you're on the fence about whether or not to go and you have the resources to do it, um, or just go for less time. Yeah. Just go for Yeah. Look, I'm saying, uh, you know, you have, you have, you have responsibilities, but like, you know, compared to when you're going to be older and you're going to have all sorts of responsibilities, you have very little to no responsibilities relative to. Yeah. In the sense that like, as long as you're hitting your college classes, like, you know, the the rest of your life is all lined up and everything, you know, like when I want to go and sit there and do like a three day, if I wanted to go and do like a three day backpacking trip, I got to clear with my wife. I got to sit there and talk to my kids that they're okay for that. I'm gone for three days. I got to go with this. I got to cover that. Like, Like tons of stuff needs to line up once you have once you have a family once you have a relationship long long term that's you know meaning once you start building a more, of an more adult life yeah you know because college people are adults in college obviously but but they're kind of like in an in-between stage in the sense that that they're still in school but they're also an adult so like once you start moving into more of an adult stage of life where there's really no school unless you decide to go back to school and then it's like you have to do your regular adult life plus school you know like there's a ton of stuff coming at you once you like hit once you like move into that full-on adult phase and it's really hard to do anything and you're like i want to go do this and it's like yeah you're gonna make it happen Uh, you know (laughs) it's just 
you have the opportunity. So like whatever things that you're interested in, whatever things you're thinking about doing, like it's so relatively easy to do them when you're younger and, and it just gets harder and harder to do things like that as you get older. All right. Well then let me tell you, let, let me tell you my, uh, my visceral response to that. And this is probably going to be towards the end. So, you know, my visceral response to that is I just turned 20. Right. And <laughs> it's really funny because I just turned 20 and I actually dreaded turning 20. When I turned 20, I was like, oh, crap, I turned 20. You know why? <laughs> because I'm entering my 20s. Right. And the biggest the biggest regret of the people in their 20s, the people in their 30s is that they didn't uh, work hard enough in their 20s. And that's, that's one of the, you know, that's one personality, we'll say. Uh, that's one Nick Lugo personality. But then there's the people who are 50, 60, 70, and they're saying, I didn't live enough, right? And obviously the time to do that is your 20s. So yeah. that's the other personality. And you know what? I could sit here and I could say, you know what? I could be hyper-focused or that's personality one, or I could be, you know, living. And obviously that requires trade-offs. I don't know. Right. Like what, like what is, what is the balance between the two and how exactly um, do I do that? I have no clue. And that's, that's maybe the biggest question that I'm asking myself. Cause when I turn 20, there, there are so many different ways that people can interpret the fact that they're in their twenties. And, um, one of them is hyper focused, the other one is not, so I don't know. Uh I mean drawing from my own life only, right? Mm-hmm. Um well, maybe not only, but I'm saying, you know, like I because I, I incorporate a lot of the different information, but but your life wisdom. Yeah, drawing mostly from my own life, and I'm not that much older than you, you know, I'm in my thirties. Um, but drawing from my own life, what I would tell you is like this, right? If you you don't need to be, you, you can probably get away with being focused and not hyper-focused in your 20s. I don't know that it's good to be hyper, hyper-focused anyways, right? I mean, we've been talking all this time about adding in play and, and being, you know, when you're in that state of flow and you're not in that state of flow, you know, like um, mm-hmm. there's there's been, I think there's been studies done even to suggest that you know, sometimes when people in, in an entrepreneurial state, right, when you're a lawyer billing your hours, 80 hours and 40 hours are not the same thing. But when you're an entrepreneur, right, the amount that you get done in a highly productive 40 hours can sometimes rival or even beat what you get done in a burned out 80 hours. Easily. So, so you know, you can be focused and you can also live your life. Like you can find that medium balance, right? You know, if you're if you're working, let's say seven days a week and you're only putting in four or five hours a day, but you're getting up at 6 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. to do it, and then by 11, you're free for the rest of the day, you might have to go to bed a little bit early. You miss some of the late night stuff that people go through, but you can do so much, right? I mean, meaning like like nowadays with the with the internet and with the with everything that we have, like you can go get an Airbnb and you can pick up and go to France, get an Airbnb, work for four hours in the morning. You know, I mean, most of your stuff yeah. should be portable enough that you can just pack it into a thing and just go there and live there for the next month. Right. And you work for four or five hours a day and you're living in France. And you're going to get a coffee at the cafe around the corner every single day. I'm saying like, there's so much stuff that's available. I mean, you know, so you, you can find that middle ground and you don't have to be necessarily hyper-focused. So, but draw. So I was going back well, to like my own life. Yeah. Yeah. Keep if going. you, if you, if you focus on making sure to live on a budget and saving money in your twenties and you're focused 
and not necessarily hyper-focused, but you're also living your life, I think you'll be okay. Okay. That right. was that. I actually, so I wrote that in my journal this morning. This morning, I, I, I'm a bit of a journaler, and uh, what I wrote in my more in my um, in my journal, and this is what I write pretty much every morning. I I go between different affirmations, but one of them, the one that I ended up writing this morning, was I will live my life fully today, and I I think I think that's that's exactly what you mean, and that's just sort of the way that I interpreted it was live your life fully don't don't live completely hyper focused if you're living hyper focused then you're just living one aspect of life and life requires so much more than that um god i have class soon. i'm gonna have to get into some <laughs> philosophical thinking in class god damn Man. um yeah but uh you know so one one of the things that also there's a there's a an ancient philosopher slash t- a scholar whose name was Hillel and he's quoted as saying um, and this ties back into what we were saying before um, so I mean it's a famous saying everybody talks about it I don't know if you know perhaps he was the one who truly originated it perhaps not whatever not the point but he he had three different statements right um, if I am not for myself then who will be for me that's uh, we were talking about that before yep but if I'm only for myself, then what am I? Mm. Meaning, yeah, you need to be about yourself. But most normal functioning adults can't be only selfish. They need to, you know, in order to bring their own happiness in, they need to be helping other people, but in a healthy way, not self-sacrificial. And then the last one was, and this is talking more about what we're talking about right now, is if not now, when? When? So sometimes... Sometimes we really have to, you know, and you have to carpe diem, you have, you know, you have it coming up many, many, many ways. Um, that's not to say you have to fit in everything, but, you know, sometimes there's opportunities that will only be available to you at that particular time. And then they just don't really become available to you later in life. Uh, you know, sometimes they do, right? Um, and sometimes sometimes we start doing things and we find out that we really don't want to do that. And we, <laughs> we have to take, a, take an assessment and, you know, like you might go abroad and you might be like, I don't like it here. Um, you know, yeah. I'm not comfortable with the culture and I like American culture and I want to go back and that's fine. You know? Um, but it's an opportunity. Yeah. 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 Right. I, mean, I, I kind of went abroad when I was in my 20s. It, not really. But like, it was a weird thing. Like I moved into a house with a bunch of um, Israelis and stuff. So like, it was a culture shock, but it happened here in Maryland. So it was like really, really strange. And like, but like, it was a tremendously positive experience overall for me. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I definitely regret that I didn't sit there and take that and actually go and live abroad for a while. You know, like I should have done that, but I, I, I don't, I, I can, we can disseminate why exactly why I didn't, but that's not the point. The point is, is that, is that even just living with foreigners in our own country, I was able to have positive cultural influences, positive influences, positive uh, overall positive outcome from it. So being able to go move to some, you know, because there's different cultures and, and, and it takes, it takes a little bit of patience and um, you know, like a mindset of like when in Rome, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, like it takes all types. That's another mindset that I have sometimes when I see people doing stuff and I'm like, what, in the world are they doing like i just have to sit there and remind myself it takes all types right like we're a massive country we're a massive country or massive world and you know it takes all types to make a nation right you know you don't get a place like the united states by having everybody the exact same it takes all types 
and so so we have to like remember that but but you know the 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 overall like the the personal growth and the internal growth and the and the i mean just you know the relationships that you can make can last forever i mean it's just it's there's like a lot of positivity that can come from being abroad going abroad and and um or just or just venturing out into into different cultures and you'd be surprised at how many of these cultures are available for um for immersion here in the States, you know, yeah. like, um, like I've had friends growing up in college. I have friends that were part of the Russian community. So, you know, I, I ended up not going too deeply into it, but like I ended up in some, uh, settings that were like very, very highly Russian culture and stuff, you know, like, it's just a different, you're like, you go, and you're like, Oh, it's like totally different than anything I'm used to, you know, like, and it's just, it's a way to, 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 to open your mind and see different ways of viewing the world and different ways of experiencing the world, different ways of, it's just it's it's there's a lot of positivity to no well that's the thing living life fully yeah yeah (laughs) like you said i've been i've been pushing that off i have i have my dreams and aspirations of traveling when i'm older but maybe that should be my new philosophy you know i kind of like that the if you ever say you're going to do something in the future then you're never going to do it because i i fully believe that and i i not, tell people not never all. but and sometimes you, you, there's limitations on resources on time on money on there's lots of different limitations and stuff, well that's the know? problem like, you know like we make plans you know like i'm in the kelly school of business where we have a bunch of finance majors and the finance majors every single one of them is saying i'm retiring by the time i'm 25 or i'm going into private equity which is like essentially heaven for finance people you know like that's the that's the i've never worked a day in my life type of job that nobody gets into because it's so hard and because everyone wants to go in you get there. into private equity when you have the equity <laughs> exactly yeah and like you know you have i've got a hundred million dollars i don't know what to do with it uh <laughs> let's start investing do you want fifty thousand dollars give me a good business plan exactly, uh, but that's the thing. Hard to get into it without family money and that's the thing. You have people who are struggling to do essentially all that stuff, but they're saying, you know what? When I'm 25, I'm going to do this. When I'm 30, I'm going to do this. When I'm 40, I'm going to do this. But the thing they truly realize is two things. One, everything doesn't remain constant. And this is yes. where I get trapped in my own dogma because I completely understand this, but yet I don't act this out. Um, things don't remain constant. Okay, yeah, you're going to retire by the 25 and you're going to travel. What if you have kids by then, right? What if X, Y, Z, whatever, right? And then you have... Number two is maybe your plan isn't as foolproof as you might think. Maybe you're not going to retire by the time you're 25. I'll tell you, uh, when I was probably 20, maybe I was 18, maybe I was 20. Um, So by the way, retiring when you're 25 is an insane thing and almost definitely not going to happen. Not to crush (laughs) dreams. I I don't mean to crush dreams. I'm just like, for every person that sat there and and came up with some dot-com company that that they were able to sell to Google for a billion dollars, there's what, like 500 million people who weren't able to do that, you know? So like retiring by the time you're 25, that's fine. But like for most people, they should probably be putting, filing that under like winning the lottery. Yep. That's not to say that you can't put yourself in many situations that may lead you to that point. But the the, the thing that I'm bringing up and, and you can't base things off of other people's lives entirely, but like I was like boasting to my uncle one time and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to retire by the time I'm 40. You know, and I thought that was like a really achievable goal. And, and, you know, as I'm nearing 40, like you see, and, and, you know, you see other people and the, the, the things that people go through and even entrepreneurs and even people who sat there and created a successful business that they sold for some period point of money and everything, right. They're still not retired and they're, you know, um, and people get very successful and they have a ton of money, right. And they want more. So, so the concept of, I'll tell you something else also that, you know, 
retirement actually is like a made up concept in the sense that there was no such thing as retirement until I think it was like a German chancellor, like before the second world war or something, you can look into it. Um, basically like they had this workforce and they had a bunch of people who were over 65 and they didn't know what to do with them. And so they were like, nobody's allowed to work after they're 65 anymore. And so they put everybody into forced retirement. And ultimately, like, I don't think retirement's healthy. I don't think retirement's good for people. I don't think retirement is a positive experience. I think working less and being less stressed and all that stuff is a positive experience. But like the idea of full on retirement of like, well, I hit 65 and I'm never working again a day in my life. People don't know what to do with themselves. 168 hours a week. Okay. So, you know, you have like your eight hours of sleep a night, but I'll tell you, as people get older, they sleep less and less and less. So they've got their four or five hours of sleep. My, my wife's grandmother, she, I mean, she's no longer with us, but she, she would be happy if she got like four or five hours of sleep. You know, she'd wake up at four o'clock in the morning, not because she had an alarm because she went to sleep and she woke up. She's like, I can't sleep anymore. Yeah. You know? So like people get older and they're, and they're, they're sleeping less and they still have the same 168 hours a week. And they're like, what the hell do I do with my time? So if you're a golfer, great. That's three hours a day, right? If you're this, <laughs> that great. That's, you know, of this, but, but like the point is, is retirement, I don't think is the goal. I think the goal, at least in my eyes is not retirement, but financial freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning if you create financial freedom, if you want to work, you can work. If you decide you want to go take a three-month vacation, go take a three-month vacation, well, right? If you I'll, want to go, I'll take, I'll take you a step further. I, I, I'll take definitely take you a step further because it seems like the problem in what you're saying is the problem with retirement is that you have some sort of goal, but you don't really know what you're going to do with it once you reach the goal, right? You're like, all right, you know, we hit sixty-five, and you know what, retirement, that's it, and you're kind of done. But, but. Then we were also talking about, okay, you have some sort of plan and when you reach that sort of, you know, you're probably never going to even reach that plan. But then at the same time, you shouldn't be living in the future and you shouldn't be planning out anything. What if you just live with the mantra of every day that you live, every moment that you live should be a good one? You know, like why, why should you be striving for anything then? Why should you be striving for financial freedom? Why should you be striving for retirement? Why should you be striving for, you know, to retire by the time you're 25 why don't instead you just live a full life every single day and then chalk it off after that yes and no i i will tell you what i've what i've observed non non-scientifically observed is that people who have nothing to live for don't live and well, that doesn't mean you, you have you nothing take to that, live for. you could right but i'm saying you could take that in two ways number one the people who have nothing to live for but are still living are living a dead life Mm-hmm. Uh, and number two, I've seen older people who have nothing to live for, they don't live. They just don't survive. Like they get sick and there's nothing to live for. And they there is a lot of research on that, actually. Nursing homes, you know, retirement yeah. homes, all that. All right. So like, so like as much as we were saying before that goals are not necessarily a good way to like design your life, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be aspiring for anything. It doesn't mean like that you shouldn't be like, oh, well, I finished with that. So let's, what's my new project that I'm going to work on? Um you know, one, one point in story that my dad just loves because he observed it firsthand is that there was a, there was a couple of older men at the synagogue. There was an 80 year old and a hundred year old. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm off in the years, but a little bit, but whatever, it doesn't, not that important. So the son, the son was 80, the father was a hundred. So the son would sit there and get up and he would do the, uh, the reading from the, from the Bible and stuff, which has to be done a certain way. And if mistakes are made, a lot of times people will call out corrections. So even though the guy's probably been doing this for 60 years or something, right? 
that he would sit there and be reading and the father would yell out corrections and he would sit there and stop and go back and do it the right way. <laughs> um, the son passed away, right? The father sat down and he did the seven days of mourning for the son. And like, that was it. He passed away also. So, you know, he, meaning he, he hung out long enough to be able to continue correcting his son. His son was gone. He's like, I'm out of here. Um, but, you know, so, so retirement at, at 25, if, you know, like, like if I, if I all of a sudden had financial freedom, I have a million things that I would do. I work with, you know, uh, maybe youth programs, maybe this, maybe I'm, I'm trying to sit there and set stuff up that I can sit there and give back to the world and, and work in, in the wilderness, maybe go climb a mountain. And maybe that, like, I have no shortage of things that I would go do if uh, tomorrow I won the lottery. Right. But a lot of people don't have that. And a lot of people are like, yeah, they have this arbitrary goal. I want to retire when I'm 25 years old. And they wouldn't have a clue about what to do with themselves. So that's why it's important to like, you know, the financial freedom thing. And yeah, live every single day fully 100%, no matter what, right? You're financial free, you're financially free, you're struggling, doesn't make a difference. You live life every single day, your life's going to be better. Um, but, you know, just, just to keep in mind that like, working towards a goal of financial freedom. And that's, that comes back to what I was telling you before, right? If you're in your twenties and you're nervous about being hyper-focused or not, focus on saving money because the people who have money in the bank, right? A lot of people are sitting there and like, you know, Oh, I'm going to get a brand new car. Right. So that's 50 grand. I'm going to go and get a hot apartment. That's, you know, 30 grand a year. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. And they go and they get a great job coming out of college. They make $70,000 a year, a hundred thousand dollars a year, whatever the number is. And they spend all of it as opposed to sitting there and being like, okay, I got a great job out of college. I'm making 40,000 a year, 50,000 a year, whatever. And I'm saving 20,000 a year because in a few years I'll have a hundred thousand dollars and that hundred thousand dollars will start doing work for me by investing it and then getting that money and investing it. Um, somebody to look into about that is this guy, Dave Ramsey. Oh yeah. Uh, of course. Yeah. I'm saying, especially at your age when you shouldn't have too much debt or if, if any at all, unless you're doing student loans, but even then focus on getting money packed away because, because that is going to be a much more, I think, contributor to a, a level of financial freedom than almost anything else that you do. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Wow. I mean, there's, there's so much that we could go on. I actually, yeah, I, oh I, sorry. I got to go also. No. Yeah, I know, dude, we dude. If we're talking about flow states, I like, I realized halfway through, I was like, damn, like this is, this is a solid flow state. This was a great conversation. So uh, Ari, Ari Gunsberg, tell everybody where they could find you. This was an amazing conversation and, you know, give them, give them the plug. Fantastic. So the best place to find me and the things that I'm working on is ariguns.com. That's A-R-I-G-U-N-Z.com. So it's ariguns.com. And then if you're interested in my book that talks about the five keys to greatness, uh, it's available. You can download the first two chapters for free at littlebookofgreatness.com, all spelled exactly as you would expect it to be, littlebookofgreatness.com. Feel free to reach out, send me a message, whatever it is. Love to hear from people. And uh, thanks so much for having me on the show. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Nick Lugo Show with Ari Gunsberg. To support this podcast, please give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and to subscribe to my YouTube channel. And so I'll leave you with the quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson. That which dominates our imaginations and our thoughts will determine our lives and our character. Therefore, it behooves us to be careful for what we worship, for what we are worshiping, we are becoming. Take care. Thank you for watching. And I hope to see you next time.